or I'm not talking into the mic. Oh, I should see you go like, so hey, go like hey. this all the time. <laughs> now you're a rock star. Yeah. Dude, this is a sick setup. Can we get headsets with just a little mic here? <laughs> just like an airplane pilot? Yeah. Watchy's like, I need, I need more. Like our gaming headsets. See, now we're all going to be gamers. Yeah. I'm bringing it though. Yeah. That's too much of a hassle. I saw, uh, it wouldn't be surprising if Monty was a gamer. I saw <laughs> Brandon, Brandon showed me this clip. There's this old guy. He looks like he's probably like 70. He's like a, uh, a Vietnam vet and, you know, was in the special forces and he games, he like plays all of like, um, all of the like shooter games. Mm. So like he'll play. I think uh, I saw that. He was like snipe. He was like oh my loving goodness. the sniping and yeah, stuff. He just yeah. like sits back and he just like picks people off from like headshots from like, you got to zoom in to see them. Right. And he like, he, that's, he just laughs and mocks them all. He was and probably like, a sniper in World War <laughs> Probably. Uh, yeah. Random I think back. he was. Yeah. But I th- it was just funny. So you just like, you never know just because somebody's right. good at video games. Like they may be an actual old guy. They actually like, fun or yeah, they're like we know how to do this. So but, there's actually this uh, streamer. Her her name's Tactical Tactical Grandma, and she's older. She's uh, Tactical Grandma. Is that that's <laughs> her handle? That's her. That's awesome. Her gamer tank. <laughs> yeah. So she's actually like decently big, known around the gaming world, and she's actually local. Really, yeah. around here? Yeah. Who is she? I mean, I don't know if she wants her name. I don't know. Oh, oh it's Tammy. <laughs> <laughs> it's Botsy's wife. <laughs> yeah. Do how, how do you know who she is then? So um, a friend that's doing production stuff like that uh, actually had her on the podcast and stuff. Really? Yeah. Mm. So, and then he's local. So he is telling me about it. And I was like, I know who Tactical Grandma is. And never too old to play. She destroyed me. She was running circles around me. So it is. Some I hate people, that lady. People do it. Yeah. I'll yeah. show you after some clips. Yeah, you never know what kind of gaming does she do. Yeah, so like the, the, the Warzone, like a big. Oh. Just, like Call of Duty. Call of Duty, yeah. yeah. So like a first-person shooter game. Yeah. So you're never R2. You're not sure nowadays. No. No. Always. Well, that's the thing too. Like video games have been around now so long. Like my grandparents would have never touched video games, but like I think about that now. Like people in their fifties and sixties who are actually grandparents' age now. You think about that. Like they grew up with video games. Yeah, right. And it's normal now. Yeah, everyone plays them now. Mm -hmm. I don't know what everybody. I mean, people who are children and still children at heart. Typical grandma. That's what you're in good company, Kyle. Real tactical <laughs> grandma. I'll be tactical grandpa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Gerald, why 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 the break bread club? Because you are like on to this whole break bread thing. Why? Well, Jesus broke bread. Often. Well a lot of people, a club. Yeah, but a lot of people break bread. What do you mean? Like break bread is like it's just like like an like an overly Christianese term for eating. <laughs> or is there something special or unique about it? Jesus did it. Jesus ate. Yeah, you know, everybody eats. But I'm asking, like, why Why do you think break <laughs> I bread? Know what, what, do, what do you mean by break bread, then? Do you just mean eating? No, I mean, I mean you break bread with other believers. Or or people interested. Do you actually need a piece of bread that you have to rip apart? I don't know. Jesus Jesus ate with with everybody. So you're just talking about eating. You're not talking about actual the physical breaking of bread, like not ripping bread. Like you can, no no no. I'm not talking about like physically breaking bread. We can just get a loaf. But that's what Jesus did, didn't he? Well, well when they ate, they had to rip the loaf apart. No, for sure. But I I'm, didn't have sliced bread. Back if you then. look at the over the um, more of the the typical moments that he ate with people, there wasn't anything like special he was doing. Besides, he was eating bread and like eating with people. We were talking about this, uh, I think, a week ago. It's I think when you actually have dinner with somebody or a meal with somebody, it's such a different 
um, perspective in people's minds than if you just had coffee with someone. And granted, we're not actually eating a meal together, but I think that was well, like the muffins could be considered a meal. That, I mean, that's true. The amount of calories and how <laughs> weighty they are. Right. They definitely sit in the gut. <clears throat> um, so anyways, so I, I just, I like the idea of slowing down and eating with people and in light of Jesus. And you look at what he did with the disciples afterwards when they went fishing. He slowed down and broke bread. Doesn't actually say they broke bread or any of that, but it's it's a very significant moment for all the disciples, where they're like, "This is the guy," again, right? But it was the, the road to Emmaus. Wasn't it kind of the way he broke bread? Right then, they were like, "Oh, that's Jesus." Yeah, but the ro- the road to Emmaus, they recognized him when they broke bread, and I don't right. think they were a part of the disciples that we would have read in the moment. You don't think so? I don't know. I mean, it doesn't read that way. I'm just wondering if they often ate bread with Jesus, that they're like, hey, this feels familiar. Yeah. That you, you look at, and you go all the way so, back to New Testament or Old Testament, Abraham breaking bread with, G, with God was like a real thing. The elders that then eat with Jesus, they eat on the mountain with God. I was, they, they came. Which elders are you talking about? Yeah, so when they come out of Egypt um, and God invites them to come and eat a meal with them up on the mountain, and they eat a meal before Yahweh. Really? Yeah. I do not remember that. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. On my phone. Oh. Yeah. So there's like a lot of moments where they just like, they eat before the Lord that I think, and again, we wouldn't read it as the Lord, as like Passover. But right. I think there's something significant of God inviting us to have meals with him. The intimate shared moment that you can have with one another. Yeah. I think it just happens. I guess it makes sense. I mean, like when you are going out, like when you're trying to um, get a girl, right? You go out on a date. You can get up and get your phone. Okay. Or use my Bible if you want. He doesn't know how to find things. You don't know how to navigate it? Yeah, so he's... <laughs> He's like, uh, he doesn't know where Exodus is. He's like, Hi, I'm swiping. It doesn't work. There's my Bible app. But if, uh, when you, when you're dating somebody, right? Like you're trying to win over, like when you were trying to win over Courtney, you guys go out for dinner, right? Like most dates involve food. Still do. I'm trying to win her over. So yeah. we take her out a lot. Yeah. Right. So a lot of food. So Exodus, now you keep it her. Exodus 24. <clears throat> God invites them up to the mountain and they're standing before him and they're seeing God. And it says, and they all ate and drink together. <clears throat> and and we wouldn't say that's Passover because that wasn't Passover. No. So I think, I think Passover is a significant, um, what do they call it? Like a foreshadowing of, of Jesus being our Mm-hmm. protector or cover. Yeah. But I think shared meals of breaking bread before God has a greater impact on not a greater impact to our notion of of this of salvation, but like I think impact with one another and Jesus when we slow down enough to say, hey, let's fellowship together and let's talk and let's just remember God together. Mm. So and it actually, uh, I'll give credit, actually. I have a buddy, his name is Jeff Seeley. <clears throat> He's the one that kind of really, like, made this, like, m- made me more aware of it. And it made sense to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I've read those passages. You're right. There's probably something more there. So was he just, like, going through all of the different passages about <laughs> breaking bread? Yeah. So he's a part of, like, our house church network. Um, and part of the, part of that idea is we're we're going to slow down, we're going to eat together, and um, where in Acts it talks about they break bread together. Um, and again, we when we read that that they come together, they eat meals, they break bread, they pray, we want to say it's um, the Passover or communion. But I think for them, eating together the Lord's Supper and communion, I think get like mixed together. Mm-hmm. What is interesting because like um, how mu- how significant eating and food is in scripture, right? You think about Jesus when he's born, he's put in a manger, 
which is the feeding trough. Mm-hmm. And then when he's teaching in, in the Gospels, he says, you know, he's, he talks about, he says, I'm the bread of life that came down from heaven. And he compares himself to manna, which God was feeding the children of Israel as they're going through the dryness of the desert. He feeds them with manna. And then Jesus compares himself to that manna. So like Jesus, and then Jesus later tells them all, uh, if you don't eat my my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. So like there's there's a lot of eating in the Bible. Yeah, if you if you think of the moments of shared meals together and then like those significant moments, I think I think it should lead you to think, I wonder what eating meals in a purpose, like in an intentional way, would do. Which I think what we do here, besides we we haven't really broke bread together, I think it's been significant for me. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's impactful to my way of living and to my walk with Jesus. And so all we were missing is some yummy food. <laughs> Why not? You know, I'm I'm going to just go out here and say, not that I'm more spiritual, because I'm, you know, but I've been eating oatmeal while we gather <laughs> for a long time. Yeah, and, and you've never invited us. Never, I have too. Never, they're trying to cultivate the culture here, but we're not, we're, we're on, we're not quite there yet. Yeah. I've been working on it, guys. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Andy. Yeah. That is good. But, so. The the muffins are, are definitely a step up from my, yeah. from my oatmeal that doesn't have sugar though. So. <laughs> My plan. Yeah. I'm glad you've never invited us to have a meal, but I appreciate you cultivating the culture of, of meals. Yeah. I, I know you'd come along sooner, Lady Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so that's where it comes from, the breaking of bread. Okay. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I, 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 it does change you. Like, it does change the dynamic when you're with somebody. And you eat, and then there's different types of eating too, right? Like, and maybe that's what the idea of breaking bread is. It's that slow down of eat because like you can eat uh, fast food drive through and that doesn't have quite the same um, community to it when you're like, hey, we're going through drive through and then we keep going. You know, it's not even just the fast food. It's the, it's the, the not slowing down, right? Because yeah. if you go into a fast food restaurant, this is, I, I'm big on this. Like when we're on road trips, I'm like, we can take 20 minutes and go in, sit down and eat. And that way I'm not cleaning up French fries. It's, it's selfishly, it's not That's about priority. Yeah, no, no, so for sure. It's like, I'm tired of cleaning up fast food out of the car. Yeah. And the kids always spill and they, my wife, Becky always spills, right? Like it's, and then sometimes I'll spill on myself while I'm driving. <laughs> and so. Yeah, but it doesn't take long to stop and, and, and go in and eat. And it is a different dynamic when even if you're eating, you know, Jack in the Box, it's a very different dynamic sitting in Jack in the Box, eating a Jumbo Jack versus driving down the freeway at, you know, 70 miles an hour eating a Jumbo Jack. For sure. So it's it's not it's not just eating for sustenance then, really the breaking the bread idea would be more of that eating for community yeah so so my seven-year-old he's seven yeah ezra we've been reading through one of the gospels we're talking about moments of feasting and just it's crazy how kids put things together so we're talking about and there's moments of them eating together and then jesus talks about how he's the bread of life right um more so and i think it's in the gospel of john and he turned to me at one of these moments where we're reading, he's like, what if Jesus is the feast for us and we're supposed to partake of him? And he's like, this <laughs> feast. And I was like, this is brilliant. I wrote it down. And I'm like, I think you're right. <laughs> and so I think, I think like you're saying, it's not about the, like the amount of what we're doing or what we're eating. It's this reality of like, when you break bread together, you are having this spiritual feast with people. Uh, you're partaking of something greater and you're taking moments. Um, and I don't think this happens at every meal, but I think especially when you're having meals with people with a purpose um, where you're saying, hey, let's come together around the name of Jesus and let's either spur each other on, remind ourselves of them, let's encourage one another, let's pray for one another. Like you're coming together with a purpose. Um, and I think then you're able to like grow and push that. Um, and then I think I think you do leave. And this is, I think what 
we were talking about earlier or I was saying with like these mornings for us, for me, like I leave full from these mornings. Mm -hmm. And so I I think there's spiritual feasts that we do without realizing we're like actually partaking of something. You're like the birds waiting for yeah, we that are. was the birds just saying, "Hey, we ran out of seed. Can you come back?" That was a good segue, Monty. <laughs> no, I agree. I think that we've been doing this for, um, like a, we started meeting uh, in the mornings to <clears throat> talk and pray. Quite probably, eight years ago. It was before we moved the offices. Was it really? Yeah, it was in the old office. Wow. So that was, we've been moved for six years. No, what year is this? 2024? We've been moved for eight years. We moved in 2016. So that's been eight years ago. So it's been probably 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we've been meeting for, I didn't realize it was that long. You guys just got a name. And we just got a name. I mean, good things take time. Yeah. You got to let it percolate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hmm. You know what we should do? I was just thinking about this. this is totally off subject. And talking about trying to figure out what year it is. We should, you know how it's like 2024 20, AD. We should like reset the calendar and just like four. Uh, what would it be? AC after COVID. <laughs> PC post COVID. Post COVID. Four PC. Yeah. I feel like it would catch on. I think PC would work. You should try it. You <laughs> yeah, just start from writing, now on. Start PC. writing my dates. Like, like sir, what's All your up? documents are void. <laughs> yeah. So maybe maybe so don't start with legal documents. <laughs> no, that's where you start. See if it sticks. Yeah, you just got to go for it. It's got to go to her court. <laughs> yeah. If it sticks illegally, then it will stick everywhere. Yeah. That's true. Because COVID kind of created this weird fog between years. It really did. It still does. You're right. When you try to think back. You're like, like 2020 and 2021 are the same year. Right. <laughs> yeah, so 20. technically we're three PC. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. It was midway through 21 before people kind of like, yeah, we're like got back. To, we're like done with it. And like, yeah. Let's yeah. start the new year. Yeah. Well, start and it's, year, we'll start 2020. New- this is 2020 now. Yeah. And some people I think still, I mean, you still, you still, there's still some people that are pretty COVID sensitive. Right? Like that. Are there really? Oh, yeah. There's still people walking around that wear masks. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm always surprised. Like, all I, your. Careful, this is where your emoji is going to come. I put emoji <laughs> right here. <laughs> well, I, I'm always surprised. Like, I just think it's interesting. Like, I, like, you're traveling, you go to an airport, and you'll see people walking around with a mask, and you'll see them walking with somebody who's not even wearing a mask. Right. So, like, First off, like you're in a public place to begin with and you're, you're touching things, you're traveling with all of the masses who don't wear masks. And nothing is clean in airports. Nothing is clean in an airport. Um, it's, the, it's probably got to, I'm sure it's got to be one of the most disgusting germ filled places ever. And then you're walking with like your husband or wife, right? Like I've seen it both ways or boyfriend and girlfriend. Obviously you're a couple and one of you is wearing a mask and one of you is not. And I was just like, what sense does that make? Maybe they're sick. Maybe they're sick. And they're like, I don't want to go coughing everywhere. Yeah, I'm with Monty. I don't want to buy that. <laughs> Maybe one out of a hundred are like that. But, that, but I'm, just, I'm just thinking like, even if you think the mask is protecting you, if you're like, oh, this is going to keep me safe. And so you're like, well, if, you know, if my husband wants to be a dummy and not wear a mask, that's on him. But then I'm like, but later you're going to be like holding hands. Maybe they don't like, maybe there's no intimacy. Maybe they don't kiss. Maybe they're just like. Oh, it's gone. Right. Maybe she's like, you didn't wear a mask. And so until you start wearing a mask in public, we're like, maybe she wears the mask at home. But I was just like, you're, you're bringing it like that person's whatever, whatever you're worried about, they're bringing it into your house. So it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. No, maybe he has to rinse with Listerine and take off. Sand sanitizer bath before she lets him in the house. So that could be. You don't, you don't do that already? You don't do that already? <laughs> There's lots of people of all, of all different types that, did Kyle say you don't do that already? Yes. <laughs> I'm a little slow. Wait a minute. It's like, wait, what? That's how I have to enter the house. 
I thought that was normal. <laughs> I didn't realize this. So what happened when you uh, and have, are going to be talking when I get home? Yeah, you have you have your marriage or relationship start in COVID. You're like, this is just normal. This is what everybody does. <laughs> Anyways, problem with doing that is you're giving. Uh, not power, but you're you're recognizing the authority that the government has tried to put upon us and and you're succumbing to it mm -hmm. by by thinking that you're going to restart the calendar by what this uh, brain oh you're saying gerald oh that changed that's how i thought that was going to be i know we're still in the whole shower thing yeah or the listening bath yeah monty flipped the script on you gerald Brain brainwashing does work, Gerald. I just have to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Where's my mask? <laughs> I know, right? Uh, that was why, why else would you still wear a mask? Because you've been raised that way. That's why the Asians wear them everywhere. It is cultural in in Asia. It's been cultural in Asia, though, yeah, for a long, long time. before yeah. COVID, they always done. Yep. They've, they felt like it's it was rude. normal. Right. Like it was rude to not wear yeah. one. Oh really? Was it a respect? Yeah. Is it a respect thing? Right, because especially like if you're sick, right? Like you, they would just say like that would be inconsiderate yeah. for you to not wear a mask in public because you could be spreading those germs. Um, and then in other places, like sense. they that it's super polluted. I think they wear them because they're yeah. worried about the pollution. So it is. It, it it's not like they're mandated. It's not like they're wearing them because the. Because um, no. it's just a part of what they do. It's just part of what they do. What's expected in right. their society. Yeah. So, which I don't have an issue with. Like, if if that's what people, I, I, I don't have an issue with people. Like, it doesn't bother me when I walk through the airport and I see people wearing a mask. Like, it doesn't work like me. I think they're sick. I skirt around them. Like, see? Me when I didn't wear a mask during COVID. Right? Well, they all skirted you and looked at you weird. So, I just do it back to them then. They must be like sick. I don't want their disease. Yeah, I stay away from. I them. feel like that's fair. If someone's wearing a mask, uh, the assumption mm -hmm. is you're sick. Like you're assuming that they're sick. Yeah. Oh, I I just assume like you assume they're COVID scared. I think I, that's what I assume. <laughs> I assume they're scared of me. I don't know if there's as many though anymore. That's what I'm saying. COVID scared. You don't think so? I don't think so. They're still out there. Oh yeah, we're gonna get hate if if we post this video. We'll get some hate on that. People oh, yeah. will be like, "You guys are science." You know what hate is? Views. No. So what? We're here for the clicks. <laughs> yeah, we're here for the clicks. Let's just start, like, put the put the scene. Of start the, that scene up. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's the intro. Yeah. We'll start with this the Listerine bass. Sorry, I'm so stuck on that. <laughs> you're, still, you're still concerned, like, maybe you just realized that's not normal. Yeah. So. Maybe it should be. Maybe it should be. And we get rid of masks. Because everyone's just clean. Constantly clean. Yeah. I'm so funny. I was going to say um, a hard pivot. Uh, this morning I was reading about Joseph and it just struck me again. Um, and and I, Well, I guess it's not completely a hard pivot because I think about this like when we, when we talk about what we're, how we're interacting with people and what we're doing with people. So I guess people interactions, pub, general public interactions or interactions with others. I thought it was interesting that when uh, Potiphar's wife is trying to seduce Joseph. Um, in Genesis, it talks about, I don't remember what chapter it is, but, you know, he's talking about how he gets put in Potiphar's house. Potiphar gives him everything. So here he was sold as a slave and then Potiphar recognizes that he's being blessed because of Joseph. So then he's just like, hands off, Joseph, you do everything. And then Potiphar's wife's trying to seduce him. And the way Joseph responds it was interesting because he says, hey, Potter, your, your husband's given me everything except for you because you're his wife. <laughs> and I cannot do this thing and sin against God. And I thought, I just like, it always like catches me when you read that part. And then he, he resists her, not because, like he doesn't ever talk about, like the Ten Commandments haven't been given yet, like don't commit adultery. But he already knew that he would be sinning against God, not against Potiphar, not against her, not against himself, 
but against God. And he's like, I, I can't do this thing and sin against God. And then he like completely rebuffs her. And so I just thought like, again, right, like just how we view our interactions with others shouldn't be viewed through how do other people view it or how does it impact other people, but it should only be viewed through how does this impact God? What is, how does, how does the Lord see this? What would Jesus want me to do in this situation? And that should be what's driving and steering us. Not, I don't want, you know, I don't want, I don't want to shame my church or I don't want to shame the family, right? But I don't want to, I don't want to sit against God. And I think oftentimes we're looking, um, we're more looking around us going, how does this impact other people? And, th and that's the lie, right? Because even when you talk to people, they're like, well, this, does, this doesn't affect anyone but me. I'm like, well, it, it does affect everybody around you. But more importantly, you're sinning against you're God. You're sinning against God. So who cares if it only affects you? Yeah. Even if that's true and you're the only one that's affected, you're still offending Jesus. I know, it's not a very controversial or hot take, but it's just something that I'm, I, when I read through that all the time, I'm always like, man, like that's, it changes the way I think, like when I remind myself about it, it changes the way I think about sin. Because I think like sometimes, like you can get into this tit for tat, right? So. Like I, I had a, a friend whose wife cheated on him and obviously he was super upset about it and hurt. And her response was, well, let's go find you a girlfriend that you can have too. And then we're like, even. And then we're even. Right. Wow. And he's like, no, that's not what, that's not what I'm, that's not what my mom said, upset about. Right. And I, but I think that's how we think. And when we think that way, right, like, so then, you know, you go, well, Courtney makes me take a Listerine bath before I come home. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go, well, now I'm going to, now you're justified in something that you do, right? You're like, because yeah. it's a tip for tat. Eye for an eye. Right. And you're, you're measuring what somebody does to you and how their sin has affected you. So now you're justified in your sin. You almost have an excuse in order to be able to do something. And I've done that in my own mind. Like I've been like, Becky, like really ticked me off in this area. So I'm okay to do X, Y, Z mm. because, you know, I got a freebie because she screwed up so bad, right? Like maybe I'm the only one who thinks that way, but yeah. subconsciously, I think we, we can kind of do that where we go, if you, I'm owed a, a, a free hall pass, because people sin against people. But when you recognize it's not against Becky that I'm actually sinning against, it's against the Lord, um, that it changes it because the Lord's never wronged me. So I never have an excuse for my sin. It's never like, oh, because so-and-so did this. And if we, if we do, we're more worried about how we look to the people around us than we are. We're more, we're more worried about the repercussions of what we did than the sin against God. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we're more worried about what people think about us because of our sin. Or how can we cover it up? Or how can we justify? Like you said, oh, you go get a girlfriend too then. Right. You know. That is interesting that Joseph had that idea of what it looked like to be right before the Lord, before the, before the law. Yeah. I never noticed that before. Yeah. It's before the law is given, he understands adultery is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> almost, I shouldn't almost, take of someone else's. Almost as if it goes against our nature. Right. Of our original design. Well, and it talks about that. It says that he put his law in our hearts. Yeah. 
Which I think is interesting, right? Like you talk to somebody like about evolution and you go, well, if we, if we just have evolved from primates, where does consciousness come from? Right? Like yeah. it's not just instinct. We all have built inside of us some basic knowledge of, of good and evil, right and wrong. Now, some people break that inside of themselves, right? Like there are people who become just fully embracing evil, <clears throat> but they had to overcome that inside themselves in order to become fully evil and to no longer know the difference between right and wrong. Because um, <clears throat> inside of you, you have some, you, God's laws written in your heart. That's your conscience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you really feel that tension when you get wronged. Like that moral law. Because why else, if, if there was no like right or wrong. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? Like, I don't know if you wouldn't know when you were wronged. Because you would just be like, ah, it's just what they do. Right. Instead, you go, that's like, there's something in you. Whether it's like a something, you know, like getting your wife taken from you. Or someone coming up and kicking you. There's something in you that's like, you are wrong for doing that. Right. And no one has to like tell you that's a rule. Right. No, like someone coming up and smacking you in the face, you don't have to go look through your bylaws to say, am I supposed to get smacked in the face? <laughs> is that allowed? <laughs> is that allowed? Like, where's the rule for that? It's like, you get hit and you're like, that is terrible of you. <laughs> and then you got to react and, you know, but it, it is interesting. Like we all do have like a moral compass to to a degree yeah um and it is interesting that joseph in that moment like understood yeah <laughs> that's interesting yeah he understood it wasn't about potiphar it wasn't about his wife it was about god you, yeah that's interesting because that i think you could have that moral law but that just in morality on its own we would have said I can't do this to Potiphar, right? Like if I, if I'm just following a moral code, but not outside of relationship with God, outside of relationship with Christ, I would say, you know, if I was Joseph, I'd be like, man, Potiphar's been so good to me. I got sold as a slave. Potiphar's put me in this amazing place of, of leadership and power in his household. I can't, I can't backstab Potiphar like that. But that's not what he says. He recognizes everything he has and where he is at is from the Lord. And he says, I can't do this to God. <laughs> and I think that's, I don't know, I think it's just super important for us as we go through life, like recognize why, why do we do what we do? Because if we do what we do just to be good people, that's situational, right? Because you end up in situational ethics. And the reality is, well, and it's subjective to what's a good person, right? To who's a good person, what defines a good person, it changes person to person, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Because there's no, there's no absolute. Yeah. But if when we when we go, I I am going to do this because of my relationship with the Lord, it completely changes what right and wrong is and how you respond. And what your responsibility is. Yeah, it just hit me today again. I, I've, I've read it before and then today I was reading it. I was like, oh man, that was, that was changes. It, it just reminded me again, like, why do I, hit me again. Why do I, why do I not sin? It's not for, uh, it's not for people around me. It's not for you guys. It's not for my wife. It's not for my kids. My motivation of wanting to be holy should be because of Jesus. Well, I feel like a lot of times we want like specific instructions like God gave Moses, the Ten Commandments, whereas this just shows that God's law is written on our hearts already, like you were saying. Right. Like you, yeah, just because the, the commandments is not listed is no excuse because God's already giving you yeah. that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Not really something controversial, just something. It doesn't have to be controversial. Something thoughtful. Well, I feel like usually I have to come up with, like, usually I have something controversial for Gerald to argue with me about. Well, you guys controversial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm always just trying to convince you of the better way. <laughs> the right way. 
<laughs> not the right way, the better way. Uh, you can say it's the right way. No, no, no. <laughs> there's, there's, there's good ways, but there's always a better way. Just Gerald's way is yeah. a better way. <laughs> no. I mean, it just happens to be that way. That sounds like a podcast title. Gerald's way. <laughs> That's Gerald's way. I already get a Gerald way. Cult leader, so I don't know if I need a podcast. A cult leader? <laughs> yeah. Who says you're a cult leader? No, jokingly. I felt like I was walking into a cult coming in that back door and down the long alley up these stairs. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know where you were leading me. Yeah. Did you wear your Nike shoes today? No. Oh, man. I didn't, I didn't know what I was walking into. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'll be a little more be prepared. More prepared. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's funny. More top. Um, something that I had, I was reading, I had noticed <clears throat> two things with, uh, I was reading through numbers and in Exodus, uh, they come out of Egypt, right? And sometime soon after, uh, Jethro, who's Moses' father-in-law, comes up and tells him to give uh, leadership to people, right? He's like, hey, you can't carry this burden by yourself. Um, and nowhere in there does God say that's good or anything. It just, like, it just kind of happens. And they're like, Moses is like, this is good. And it just kind of leaves it at that. I thought it was interesting later on in Numbers, um, the Israelites grumble against Moses, really against God. But Moses comes to God and is like, kill me now. Because like their, their grumbling is like finally getting to me. And it's interesting that, that at that time, God then calls elders and he says, hey, Moses, I'm going to give you like appoint elders that you think are wise and that can help so that they can help carry the burden. So it's like similar to what Jethro did. But the difference in this one is God says, but I'm going to give them the spirit. I'm going to divide the spirit among you all so that they can help. Um, which I thought was interesting. And I was kind of thinking like, I wonder how many good things we, like I think through inspiration, but like good things we kind of put together in life, but we forget to invite Jesus to like, anoint it to to create like god if this is good i i our desire is not just to make it good and go but like will you come and anoint it will you come and fill it um so that we can go out with with authority and power which is what um he says about the holy spirit later on right is like hey we're gonna i'm gonna do this so that you guys all have power um and jesus does that with his disciples and and so forth and and all that so that it was kind of interesting, like the, the, it's similar, but yet there's a slight difference of like God's like, I'm going to give spirit to all of them. And in that same section, I, I was curious because then Moses, there's these other people outside of the, outside of that moment where God's anointing them that get filled with the spirit. <clears throat> and um, they, they realize that there's other people in the camp and they're like, hey, they're full of the spirit. And Moses says this thing, and he says, my desire is that all of us, all the people be filled with the Spirit so that they can all be prophets. Which I thought was interesting because that's Paul's desire in Corinthians when he's like eagerly seek the spirits, the gifts. And he says, if, if anything else, like eagerly seek um, to be a prophet, to be prophecy. Which I was like, I wonder if Paul was stealing it from Moses. Not stealing it, but I wonder if that's where he got like his inspiration of like, you know what's better than all these things? Is that we become instruments that speak God's word to people. Um, because that's what Moses, I mean, that's what scripture desired in Moses. I, I thought it was interesting. That is interesting. <clears throat> I, think, I think it's interesting on, on, two, on a couple of counts. When you just listen, you just like one is that the idea and the desire that you're not trying to be the the most spiritual person in the room. Yeah. Right. Like you want other people to be just as powerfully used by the Lord as you, or m even more so. I think that part, which is interesting, how Paul starts all of his letters, right? Bondservant of Christ to um, and, and then he mocks the super apostles in, in a couple of his letters. Right. So I think 
that idea of like, I'm not looking to be lifted up. I'm not looking to be a person that everyone goes, wow, look at Andy. He's so spiritual and he's the leader, but rather I want everybody around me to be filled with the spirit, to be used by God, to be lifted up. Um, so it's, and it's not something that I impart to them, right? Like I recognize it comes from the Lord and I want everyone to be a part of that. I think that part's interesting. And even Moses is in the same way, right? Where <clears throat> Moses is like, hey, we want everyone to be full of the spirit, everyone to have that relationship with God that the way I have that. Right? It's not a threat to me because my relationship with the Lord doesn't diminish because yours increases. Right. So if it's about me and Jesus, like I want everyone to have this. If it's about me lording over, well, then I have to defend and protect my position. Yeah. I have to defend and protect my status. And there, there can only be one king, right? <laughs> yeah. So I think that part's interesting when you think about that, right? Like inside of, inside of uh, Christianity, we have a tendency to be like, yeah, we want everybody to be, to succeed in their relationship with the Lord as long as they understand that they're not as good as me, right? Like I am the leader. I am the king, right? I am the guy that everyone needs. Like you are going to succeed in your relationship with the Lord to the extent that I tell you you should succeed kind of almost, right? Like, so I think that part's interesting. It's unscriptural, but it's, <laughs> It's that slippery slope of we build our own kingdoms rather than like we're building the kingdom of God and we're, and we're just fellow laborers. Yeah. Where do you see that play out though? Because I don't think we use the, we, I don't hear that. You don't hear what? I don't like people don't preach that. Well, no, it's not about our preaching, right? It's a matter of what you do. I think that, I think that there is definitely, um, there's, there's attitudes. I've been in church my whole life. Right. And there's attitudes inside of church that there are the leaders and then there's everybody else and everybody else is there to support the leadership. Right. Like you're there to to lift up the leaders and you're there to support the vision of the leaders, the leaders. You don't get an attitude often. There's not very often that you get this attitude that the leaders are like, we're just here to support you in your relationship with the Lord. What can I do today? to serve you in your relationship with the Lord, right? Like I'm strong in my relationship with the Lord and I want you as strong as I am. Like that's not really, it's like I'm strong in my relationship with the Lord and so I have this vision of what we should do as a group. And so I need you to do X, Y, and Z to help me fulfill this vision. Yeah, it's interesting. So that passage Joshua is the one whom Joshua becomes like a great leader, but Joshua is the one that's like, Hey, we heard of these other guys. Should we, should we stop them? And Moses actually says that. And he's like, why don't be jealous on my account. He's like, cause then he goes into that whole thing of wanting everyone to be full. But that is Joshua's thing of like, don't worry about me. You mean Moses's thing? Yeah. Sorry. Cause Joshua is worried. Joshua's like, Joshua's wait a minute. We need to solidify. Yeah. Everyone needs to know Moses is the king, right? Like not that word, but that's that, that office really of like Moses is the guy in charge. Nobody knows the Lord except for what Moses says they know. Yeah. And that was in Jesus' day too, because the disciples came to him and said, hey, these other guys that don't follow you, they're, they're healing. And yeah. Should we stop them? Yeah. Should we, <laughs> should we tell them not knock it off? You know, he's like, no, yeah. Yeah, you leave them. They're, they're doing good. If they're doing good in my name. Go ahead. Yeah. Right. And then Paul says the same thing because he's like, I've heard so-and-so is preaching out of contention, like God trying to hurt me. Like, I don't care why you preach as the gospel's preached. Mm. Like, let God figure that out. Like, but yeah, it's not, it's not something to, to hold on to, right? Position is something, which is what Jesus says when he washes the disciples' feet, right? He's like, what have I done for you? Like, you call me teacher when I am, but I've just humbled myself. Like mm -hmm. other people, and he talks about it in other places too. He's like, he's like in the world, everybody's looking to be the leader. Everyone's looking to be the king, right? Of the situation, king of the hill. That's what we look for naturally. 
is to be king of the hill. And we want to make somebody king of the hill. If it's not me, then I just want to be on the king's king of the hill side, right? And so Jesus, the whole, whole, whole of scripture, all the way back into Genesis with Moses, the whole of scripture is talking about that. Um, well, in, even before Moses, because uh, you, know, you look at Joseph as the same way. He's just humble and just allows the Lord to use him. He's not grasping for things. And that's, that, that's, the, that's the whole message is just like, be, uh, to us, be servants. Don't try to build your own kingdom. You're not try, you shouldn't be trying to make something of yourself or make something of your ministry. No. It's, 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 if, it's, if it's your ministry, you're building your own kingdom. You're not building the Lord's kingdom. Right. And if you're the one to be served and your vision is the one to be served, you're building a cult. You're building a, a personality cult yeah. of people like, hey, come and serve my ideas, my visions, rather than, hey, the Lord should be lifted up and let's serve the Lord and the vision of the Lord through this. What do you think that looks like in, in two parts? I'm curious. Like, what do you think that looks like for like leaders? And then what does that mean for us who, like, unfortunately, none of us have titles? Unfortunately. unfortunately. Yeah, no, I said that. I started said that. I was like, that's terrible. You didn't listen to anything I said, Gerald. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't care what you have to say. <laughs> we don't have a status. We don't have a Yeah. Yeah. Is there a pastor in the room? Can he uh, affirm or deny the? Hold on. I'm just going to do it online real quick, and then I'll. <laughs> yeah, I'd get a certificate. You got my certificate. Because it, yeah. I think, I think, yes, I'd be curious, like as a, as a traditional leader or leaders, even in an untraditional way, like how do you, what does it look like? Granted, God invited Moses to do it. So it was kind of God's plan. I, again, I think interesting that Jethro kind of already saw this reality of like, you need other leaders. God just the one that anointed him finally. Um, but like, what is that, what does that really look like? Or what does that mean? to to say hey it's not it's not about my vision it's about you becoming an elder to to be inspired and propelled by the spirit to become prophet which that word's full of a bunch of different <laughs> nuances but um, yeah it scares people when you're like you should be a prophet you're right like oh you should tell the future right um, or or just even like <laughs> talk about prophets and apostles and like people get geeked out because they're like, oh my gosh, what kind of cold is that? <laughs> um, but then what does that mean for us? Like who don't hold a place of authority and yet somehow the church is supposed to be of people that don't have a title to an extent. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if you think about it and just looking at how, what Jesus modeled, right. Um, which I don't know, I think it's a pretty good example if you're like, Hey, I want to see what Jesus did, and let's do things the way Jesus did. It was all right. Yeah. It was all right. <laughs> a couple, of good, a couple yeah. of good ideas. Yeah, no, one or two. I mean, if he would have posted more, yeah, 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 but it, a little it, bit more, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He he didn't. I mean, there's a few things that's interesting, right? Like Jesus, Jesus was educated, but Jesus had no position of spiritual leadership in Israel at the time. No, he was not part of the Sanhedrin. He was not a Pharisee. He wasn't a Sadducee. He was outside of the religious traditions. Organization. Organization, yeah. He was outside of the religious organization. And then it's interesting, the people that he called, <coughs> the 12 that he picked, yeah. none of them were inside of that either, yeah. right? Like he's picking some of the lowly people, right? Um, I don't know if it's the lowliest people, but definitely, Close. yeah, definitely blue collar, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, they were definitely were not the, uh, you know, they wouldn't be the first picked by the Pharisees yeah. and no. we wouldn't be the first picked by us. <laughs> That's fair. Right. Like if you're going to be like, who's going to lead the church, let's find a guy Someone who, with a degree. Yeah. Right. We wouldn't be like, let's go find the blue collar welder who, uh, uh, who acts before he thinks all the time, AKA Peter, right? Like Peter, Peter always He's like ready, shoot, aim, yeah. right? Yeah. He never thinks before. He, he's like, he's like Jesus. I'm gonna follow you no matter what. And then he's like, we're also gonna throw down, right? <laughs> yeah. And then I'm gonna run away. And then I'm gonna deny you. Yeah. And then I'm, you know, I'm gonna walk on water. Like Jesus, like Peter is like this. He's like all over the place. So I, I don't think if we were 
looking at resumes, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like we would have picked Peter to be somebody who should be a cornerstone in the church or or a, a pillar of the ch- of yeah. the church that's starting this new movement. He like, still fails afterwards. He starts eating with the Jews. Right. He's like back and <laughs> forth and. Right. He's like, I'll, I'll, I'll eat at Cornelius's house. I had this vision. And then like, I'm, I'm going to pretend like I, you know, I'm going to shun the Gentiles. And yeah. So, so I don't think like, if you look at the way Jesus picked people, he didn't pick them based on the things we would pick. I think, and, and even like when you think about David, picking David is the runt of the litter, right? The, the guy who's so forgettable, his dad forgot about him. Because he's like, here's all my sons when he's passing before Samuel. And Samuel's going to, his dad's like, here's all my sons. And, and Samuel's like, well, don't you have any others? Because these are all no. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, yeah, David. <laughs> you right? Don't, you don't want him. Right. Like, but he's like, he's like the, he's like the worst of my sons. Yeah. Like, where he's the most forgettable. Right. I forgot about him. So, <laughs> like, the people that God picks, he doesn't pick based on the things we pick, no. which is what, which is what God tells Samuel. He's like, hey, man looks, when, when Samuel's anointing a king, God says, man looks on the outward appearance, but I'm looking at the heart. And so I, what, the question that this started with was, what does that look like for us? And I would say it doesn't look like anything specific for us. Because if you start to say, like, it's got to look like this or that, now we're using man's wisdom. We're becoming like Jethro. And we're going to say, this is how it should be. And maybe it is, but the reality is how to be a leader inside of, of, of Christ, inside of the church. And I'm talking about the church as the body of Jesus, not the church as in, um, you know, a, a congregation, but just the church as a whole. To be a leader in the body of Christ, to be a leader in your your family or in your place of work, it means that you're waiting on the Lord. And because that was Moses's uh, idea too. He's like, God, we're not going anywhere unless you go with us. We're just going to sit here and we're going to wait. And when you say move, when you are ready to move, we'll move. But we're not going ahead. Uh, we're not going to just go and then hope you are with us. We only go when you go. And I think that's the hard part of how do we live out our faith. It's, it's scary because there's not necessarily a clear plan. We want a clear plan. We, wanna, we, want, a, um, we want a business plan, right? Like I, I, I think that was interesting when I met with, um, met with a church and, and was interviewing with them about being a pastor with them. And that was one of the things that were like, well, what's, what's your plan? And I was like, my plan is we're going to pray, we're going to read our Bibles, and we're going to allow the Lord to be the head of the church mm-hmm. and to guide us and lead us. Then they kept just pressing, like, but what does that look like? What does that mean? I was like, it means we're going to pray yeah. and we're going to read our Bibles, right? And there's not a plan. And I, and I even told them, I was like, if, if I was coming to you with like a business proposal, I would have a plan laid out, right? I'd have a, a one-year, three-year, five-year business plan laid out, and here's how we're going to execute it. But that's me, right? Then that's me building something. Yeah. That's not me being a servant yeah. to everybody around me and recognizing that Jesus is the head and Jesus is the king. Um, and, and I think that that's where we get confused with often, I think, as Christians. We we think, well, uh, we gotta, God gave us a brain for a reason. It's like, yeah, you, you have things in the day-to-day life you need to use wisdom for. When it comes to how do you serve the Lord, how do you be a leader, how do you walk that out, you have to submit yourself to Christ, right? You have to say, I, I don't know, because the things God asks us to do, oftentimes when you read through Scripture, you're like, that's dumb. From a, from a man's standpoint, it makes zero sense. Like, why would you do that? Why would your plan be that you're going to have the king of the world born in a manger? Why would your plan be that you're going to have the king of the world grow up in insignificance? Uh, why would your plan be that you're going to have the king of the world be hated by everybody, 
and then beaten and crucified. Like that seems like a dumb plan and not one that we would come up with, but it's his perfect plan of redemption. So I think what it looks like is me being meek and understanding we're under the authority of Christ. And so it doesn't need to look like anything specific. It needs to look like Christ living through me and me living in obedience to him. <clears throat> Letting go of that control. We like to have that control, but we don't like to allow to leave space for God because we have to wait. It's hard to wait, right? We want answers now. And when we have control, we feel like we can control the outcome. Right. And we want it to be quick, which I saw this meme that I thought was really funny. It kind of ties into that. Um, it said, uh, uh, yeah, a Tesla can go zero to 60 faster. And it had like an old, like a, um, like an old Camaro, like a muscle car. It said, yeah, a Tesla might be able to go zero to 60 faster, but that's like cooking a steak in a microwave. It cooks faster, but nobody wants it, right? <laughs> and I think, I think, right? And I was like, that's really funny because I think that's true. Like you... My brother has a Tesla and, you know, it puts you back in your seat really fast. You get the result. Yeah, you go quick. Um, but but it, you get to that result, it's, it's, it's not satisfying. It's so different than when you, like, hit the gas and you're like, yeah, yeah. right? Like, you hear that rumble. Yeah, it gets so different. Um, in rumble in your van? No, I don't. Oh. I, no, it's not quite. In your Honda? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I've ridden in sports cars before, though. Have you? I've test driven Have one. You? Yeah. So yeah, I don't know, but, but it's the same thing with Christ, right? Like you give up that control. You go, my process is going to be faster, but it's, I'm microwaving my steak versus I'm allowing God so, to smoke it. So, so I'm going to bring this all full circle. Break, break bread. <laughs> yeah. Break bread club full circle. Could could us becoming people of authority or people of leadership and and i jesus came to serve like he just came to love people and to say i'm here for you actually um could it look like learn how to love people and learn how to invite people into your house because i think even in our society i think there's this tendency to think I'm inviting people, typically, and maybe I, I think about this wrong, the only reason I invite people into my house that aren't friends is they are often somehow elevated above me. I'm going to invite the people of leadership into my house. I'm going to invite people that I think have something that they can give me. I'm the humble one inviting people in. Uh -huh. I'm inviting the kings in. What would it look like if we looked at people, common people, not people of leadership or people of somehow an elevated state of morality or spirituality, but we just looked at people and said, hey, I'm going to humble myself to invite you to come eat with me, to have life with one another so that I can spur you on, so I can bring what I feel is, is the spirit of God that I'm living with. And, and it doesn't mean they're not, but like you're, you're inviting and activating this idea of like, let's become a community. And, and who knows, maybe you do have something for me or I have something for you. And this becomes a mutual, like contagious, like let's learn how to invite people in. Cause unless I'm thinking about that wrong, but I personally like, I'll invite friends over. Or I'll look for people that are in leadership and say, we should get to know each other. <laughs> AKA, I would love for you to come over so we, I can feel somehow elevated in your presence that I had the pastor over for dinner. Um, uh -huh. Or we get excited when the pastor invites us to dinner because now we feel like they actually humbled themselves somehow yeah. <laughs> to invite me to dinner. They have time for me. They have time for me. Yeah. And what if we, instead of that, instead of titles and all these, we just re realized I've been empowered by the spirit to love my neighbors. And what more, like, I think even in our society, and we don't really speak about it this way, but I think we typically don't invite people that we think are lesser than us. Yeah. Typically, yeah. unless we're friends and then we don't see them as lesser. We, we invite them to church. Well, yeah, we invite them to church. Not in our house. We don't invite them to life. We invite yeah. them to this 
church. <laughs> and where they'll where they'll come, but I, you don't have to take the responsibility for it. I don't, I don't have it. to humble myself to invite you yeah. over for dinner. It's easy. And put up with it's you. It's easy. Yeah, you're lower than me. Yeah. Now, if you become a pastor or something, then it's like, hey, we should remember we were friends. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time. I don't know. That's good. That's good. I don't know. Like, because I think how else do you empower people, I guess, is what I'm trying to, to think through. How else do you say, hey, I want to empower you enough to think, to, to not have to wait until someone, until the, the leader, because we, we still live in this like hierarchy of leadership, empowerment, and rulers, even though we, again, we don't talk that way. But like, you don't have to wait to be a good husband until the pastor tells you like, or you can, we can have a relationship and I can encourage you enough yeah. and give you enough scripture and ideas of what a good husband is. Um, and, and, and again, I think bringing it back to like our gatherings here in, on Friday mornings, like I feel that I, I'm not, none of us have titles. Um, but we've had enough conversation where I'm like, that was a really, I feel like that was really good wisdom that is based off scripture that I can take and implement to some degree. Mm, yeah. It has nothing with nothing to do with titles. No. Yeah, I like it. The question is, if, are we going to invite people over? We invited, we're like, we're inviting everybody over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's called You're the invited. That's called the scheme. You're invited. Yeah. So, welcome. Welcome to the, <laughs> welcome to the table. <laughs> no, they can't see. Because, and I think a little bit of inviting people over is, is who are we to invite people over? Well, what kind of wisdom do I have? I, or am I wrong? I, I, I don't know. I think, I think, no, I think we should invite people over. I don't know what, I think the roadblocks of inviting people over are, there's lots of different ideas of what those roadblocks could be. Um, so I think, I don't think it's because we are like, oh, I don't have the wisdom. I think it's more like um, we don't invite people below us over often because uh, I think it's because we don't want to, like, we, we like, they don't have anything for me. Right. Like it's the wrong idea. It's like, how are they going to help me, mm. um, in life in, in whatever I'm doing It's like, if they have nothing to offer, why am I, why am I wasting my time with them? <laughs> this sounds bad, but I think like subconsciously, yeah. Yeah. maybe I'm the only one that just ever thought that way. I, uh, but I wouldn't even say like I've consciously thought that way, but subconsciously, I think mm -hmm. that's what holds you back from inviting people, which is what Jesus says. Like, you know, if you lend to someone who can pay you back, good for you. Even the sinners do it, right? Like everyone does that's that, easy. right? Yeah. And he's like, lend to people who can't pay you yeah. back. Like give to people who can't repay, who have nothing to give you. Now you're actually serving. Right. So that's what When you get about. nothing in, in return. Scripture, shouldn't we be inviting people over? All right. So is that, is that a yes. challenge for the next week? Like, I mean, it, yes. like for the next lifetime. Just like, like just this week. Just, just, no, just, just pass the test. Come, come on, on. Let's, let's be like bite sizes. <laughs> bite sizes. Like, I think for we, the next week. I think we also struggle to invite people over because it's a commitment and we're selfish with our time. Yeah. I want to do the yeah. things I want to do yeah. instead of sitting in an uncomfortable but, conversation with a person I don't really know. Well, right. Think, there's a new Netflix that, show out. I think that goes back to the, the, the reality, though, is because who, like what are they – what do they have to offer me? What do they have? Like, yeah. I feel my time is valuable that yeah. they yeah. coming into my life. <laughs> and, and I think a little bit of that stems though from we don't see ourselves as empowered people of God. Because if we were full of, full of the spirit, like empowered, and we understood that, we are called to be servants. We are called to be people that invite the lowly in. We're called, and not because they have anything, but because we go, I have something to offer them. Right. I'm the servant. I, and somehow that makes me a leader, but I'm the servant saying, I care about you yeah. more than I care about myself. And I think, and back to the authority and leadership thing, I think it's because we haven't been encouraged in a, in a real way. I think we've been preached at, yeah. but I don't think we've actually been empowered to say, Monty, you and Tammy, you guys have wisdom that you guys need to learn how to invite people in. And your time with people at, at the dinner table in your couches has more impact than you realize. Mm. Like, I, I, I don't think we've been sent that way. No. 
to say, I don't, mm. I don't care for you to come here anymore. I, overall, you know a lot. Now you need to learn that you actually have to, you're empowered to, to share these things. Norm, normally your, your peers, if they feel you have wisdom, then you should start a Bible study or right. <laughs> some sort of organized or gathering. a small group yeah. to share your wisdom. Because that's where people really lay their hearts yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where it moves. That's where you but, really share your struggles mm-hmm. is in a Bible study. Really, it's typically over coffee or over dinner, and you're like... Not coffee, dinner. Dinner. Or lunch. Yeah, or bread. Coffee's not intimate. No, coffee's just fake. If you do it often it's enough, coffee, level. coffee breaks down. It is. I like coffee. It's I do a lot too. less work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I think, I think it's something for us to, to think about in yeah. regards to breaking bread and, a, yeah. and like what are meaningful meals about. And I, I, I don't know. Again, in light of scripture, in light of the impact of community, I think there's something there for all of us to think. First, we need to know that we're empowered. Mm-hmm. I think that's the first step. Mm-hmm. And then in being empowered, we actually have to then learn that we should be this, the servants of people that have nothing good to offer us besides we long for them to know Jesus. Yeah. We yeah. have the good news. Yeah. yeah. We have the good news. Why it's wouldn't so we share that? Right. You're right. Why wouldn't we? We laugh, but that's like seriously. Like, no, it is true. Yeah. Like we, I know the good news. So I'm going to invite you over often and, and regularly. And if you don't want to come, then I think that's where we get the break of like, okay, well, I tried. On to the next person. Yeah. We're talking in our in our church on Sunday um, that we should be purposeful in who we invite. And I think it's a, I think it's a twofold. We should be inviting people that bring us good news, people that we go, hey, you encourage us, which I think we do that easily. Those are our friends. Um, but then we should also be very mindful. We are the ones that are to bring good news to people. And there's plenty of those people that we don't mm-hmm. have have with. I'm actually having a family over this Sunday. That, Sat- Saturday, Saturday, Saturday night. You know when it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be late to it. It's at our house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyways, I don't know. Cool guys. Good. Yeah. Time we have this. Is how we would wrap up normally? Just go okay. Yeah, I'd leave. The stand up awkwardly and walk away. Uh-huh.